Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your almost witty hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello and welcome to an episode of Field Days Podcast. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by the department spokesperson, Chris Gouts. Chris, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving last week. I did. Very happy to be back, and, okay. I, and I actually mean that. It looks like you uh, had a lot of fun. I did over your over your time off. So, yes, did you? Uh, yeah, it was, it was very nice. But you know what I'm more excited about is our last podcast. We talked with some people in the healthcare area about what we're doing in comms because comms is rolling out to healthcare. And one of the people that was on the episode last week was Marty K. Sherry. And you remember what she said? Do you, do you recall what she said? That uh, she was very upset that she, this was her first time being on. Yeah. And she, she said, was such a huge fan. She, that's exactly what she, she said. And she did such a great job. So. <laughs> and she said, yeah, I could do this every week, I think is what she said, yeah. too. Um, so we're just going to have her replace you from now on. So <laughs> That's okay with me. Deal. I'm <laughs> okay with that. Um, but guess who's on again? You ask and you shall receive, right? <laughs> that's right. So, so Marty K., welcome back to the podcast, second week in a row. Thanks awesome for to having have, me. Yeah, awesome to have you back. And I'm excited today about the topic of our conversation today, because I think it's super important to a, you know, a, a very difficult situation that a lot of people are going through. And it's not just typical people you think who, who have a drug addiction, right? I, th- I think when people think of drug addiction, you think of a, you know, somebody on the streets and it's somebody committing crimes. And it's not that. It's our children. It's our, it's our grandparents. It's our uncles. It's family members. It's friends. Um, this opioid epidemic has really hit um, everyone. It touches everyone. Um, and I know we've done episodes in the past around, you know, this huge problem, in, in not just in Michigan, but across the country. And I'm excited today to talk about what we're doing here in the department to, I guess, help combat that problem. So welcome back to the show. We appreciate it. And we also have on Beth Boyd. Beth, welcome to Field Days. I know it's your first time on the podcast. So why don't you tell everybody what you do for the department? Yes. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I am Beth Boyd, and I am the Substance Abuse Service Manager. So my department oversees prison-based and outpatient residential substance abuse services, and we are now um, piloting medication-assisted treatment and a couple other programs across the state. Okay. So I'm sure people have heard of MAT. You said medication-assisted treatment. Yeah. Um, I'm sure some people know it as MAT. Um, Marty Kay, I guess you can remind everybody of what you do, again, for those who didn't hear you last week. Oh, sure. I am the Acting Health Services Administrator, so I have oversight over healthcare, mental health, and um, dental optometry, all of the healthcare functions in the department. Okay, not only that, but you are a friend of the pod now. Definitely a friend of the pod. Yep, and um, I saw you on the television a couple weeks ago, so you're also television famous in our our world. So Definitely. um, And why I saw you on the television was you were on the local news around here in the Lansing area, and you were talking about, well, I guess a couple of things. The governor has a goal, right? Mm-hmm. And that goal is to cut the opioid deaths in half within five years. Correct. That's a that's a lofty goal, but I think it's I think we have to do something like that, something big like that, because it's an epidemic and it's it's a huge problem. So I, you know I applaud her for taking you know this this huge this huge goal on. So you were talking about that and a little bit about about what the department is doing to help combat this. So what. Tell us what you uh, you were talking about on the news. So the governor had a press conference um, regarding the opioid epidemic and had several initiatives that um, not only the Department of Corrections, but the Department of Health and Human Services are initiating right now. Some um, advertising regarding stigmatism, regarding opioid use, um, some other initiatives with hospitals. In the Department of Corrections, we spoke, I spoke about our medication um, assisted treatment program that we're kicking off and 
how we're going to use medications to treat opioid use disorder. They're very effective in terms of supporting recovery and reducing the risk of relapse. That's good. And, and I know, Beth, in your previous life before you came to Corrections, you worked in this area, right, in the community. Mm-hmm. Tell, yeah. What did you do? Yeah, I was um, a therapist before I came. I worked with people in the jail, in the community that had substance use problems, and I really gained a love for this type of work. I really could see people struggle, but it was really interesting and, and wonderful experience to see when they got some hope back in their yeah. lives. It was it was really wonderful. And I know this is a huge passion of yours. Um, we need somebody like you here to help us to help drive this to help mm-hmm. drive this change. So let's talk about Matt. Marty Kay said that there was a stigma to it, but let's first talk about what Matt is and kind of how how it plays along with um, what we do here in the corrections. Sure. So Matt is generally thought of as three different types of medications. One is methadone, Suboxone, and then Vivitrol. These medications are used to help the person that have has had an addiction or currently has an addiction, and they are used to help the brain. So when when somebody gets addicted to drugs, their brain actually has changes. These medications help heal the brain, help the person engage in treatment, help them live their life in a more productive way as they work through therapy and have more more and more clean time. When we talk about Matt, do, are we using all three of them in the Department of Corrections? Because I, I know there's, you know, when, when people think of um, methadone, I, I, you know, I think some people have a stigma to it that, you know, it's just people walking around after they go get their methadone in the clinic, they walk mm-hmm. around all day in some haze where they're not productive. And But talk about the importance of, of why we're using MAT in conjunction with treatment, right? Because it's not, a MAT isn't a silver bullet. It's not going to cure the yeah. problem. It needs to be used in conjunction with treatment, right? Yeah. So we have a unique opportunity because the individuals are housed in our facilities. We have the ability to prescribe MAT in a way that's functional for people. So they're not going to the corner stores or corner doctors and getting MAT inappropriately. We have our doctors who are going to be trained and who want to do this work so that our people are on the correct amount of methadone or Suboxone or Vivitrol and um, can move towards recovery. But you're right. Recovery is not just taking a medication. Recovery is working through some of those concerns that maybe helped you start in an addiction. A lot of times it's trauma. So, you know, getting them into substance abuse treatment services while they're with us is an integral part. So you, you talked about, you know, administering Matt while they're inside. How is this going to play out for the field side of corrections? Is, is, is that going to continue while they're out? I know we're doing, you know, some, some Vivitrol things in the community right now. So first, I guess, first question for either one of you is how is that going to transition out to the field? And then what are we doing right now? What, what are we using and what kind of programs do we have? I'll take um, the first one. We do plan on transitioning. If we start someone on mat inside, then we would work with our community um, partners and stakeholders to make sure that that transitions with them um, upon release into the community. Um, we're working really closely with DHHS right now to make sure that they they have those services and they have those providers that continue um, to prescribe that once they're out on parole. Beth can talk a little bit more about what we're doing right now because we have some projects right now. Yeah, so we have the Vivitrol pilot program that's going on at seven of our um, facilities currently, and we have um, a doctor that prescribes the medications, a nurse that screens them, and she also makes those follow-up appointments in the community. So she sends an email to the agent and puts it in Omni that the person has been scheduled for their next Vivitrol injection. But it's very important to us to make sure that everybody is on the same track, that everybody has the information, and that we support um, that medication-assisted treatment while they are transitioned back in the community. 
Um, I think that's really important. Uh, like Greg talked a little bit too, is that once they get out, it's it's once they're out, um, we get them the first shot, and and the company actually pays for the first shot. So there's no cost to to the department or to the person. And then it's my understanding that Medicaid picks up the the cost while they're out. But on, on top of that, the way I understand it, in layman's terms, is that the Vivitrol helps you from getting high. So there's no really incentive mm-hmm. to going back and using the drugs. Is that right? That's correct. Vivitrol blocks you from getting high off opiates. Yep. But you could still obviously overdose because it's all you're not you're not feeling the results. But yeah, but it, it generally takes quite a bit, and a lot of times people just kind of give up before that point. But there are cases where people could overdose if they kept trying. And so the important part is not just to get that shot, but it's to go through the therapies. And I believe there's you go to a class a day, or is that the the, the hope anyway? That yeah, um, people that um, have a SASE three or fours a screening instrument get into either um, phase two classes or ASAC classes, which are offered to people two to three times a week. The ASAT's more around 47 classes, and phase two is more in the 25 range. Um, so they, they do have that also. Mm-hmm. But once they're out on parole, um, yep. the, the idea is that the community partner would connect with them, and yep. and that there's a lot, a lot of ongoing, either whether it's NA or some other more specific. Yeah, yeah they definitely should be um, in substance abuse treatment and hooked up, hopefully, with like recovery coach, a physician. They're going to need a physician to continue pre- providing the medications mm-hmm. and maybe some case management that they might have and for, for the for the agents uh, it, how was that all handled is is that on the the individual or is it on the agent to try to connect them with community partners or is it really dependent on the area of the state that they're going back to what resources are available for them we want everybody to work in conjunction with with um, the individual so I you know we're going to have people schedule appointments before they leave and make sure they're hooked up for services but it's going to be um, great when the agent can say you know I see you have an appointment at uh, this clinic um, did you go you know how was your therapist I know you were supposed to be there at 8 a.m. do you have any transportation issues or you know who's taking you to that appointment so it's really important that everybody be involved and empower the individual but also help that agent provide that encouragement and assistance to that individual in the in the pilot and some of the numbers I've seen I think we've seen kind of a fall off in getting the shots and continuing with the shots after they've gone out do we have a sense of why that is or are we still is it transportation is it because they don't feel like they need it or yeah you know it's it's kind of antidotal you know we don't have like um, a great way to track it but you know some people get on different types of mat some people just stay in substance use treatment and and that works for them I think the the number we need to concentrate on really is the recidivism rate which is very low of people that have participated in the program it's one percent right yeah so something they're doing is working and maybe Mm -hmm. it was that Vivitrol shot the education they received before they they leave the the um, facility and that support from that agent you know something is working and they're continuing to do well yeah I mean talk a little bit about support in the community you know when they, when they are released because you know when they, when they're inside it's more of a controlled environment mm-hmm. um, you know they're 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 going to go to treatment most more than likely if they're you know a substance abuser mm-hmm. but when they're when they're released you know kind of all those controls kind of float away they go back to where they um, were using before maybe they, the same friends they were using with so talk about some of those community supports that are, that are crucial to us I know we have treatment mm-hmm. we have you know we, we have Matt and, and Medicaid will pay for that mm-hmm. but 
on top of that, what's what's important to get that success number going up? I know recovery coaches is a huge piece, right? So talk Absolutely. about some of the, su- the support things that we can use in the community. Yeah. So, you know, there's tons of agencies and organizations that provide um, substance abuse treatment services, which is really an umbrella. It doesn't mean just therapy. It could be um, different types of recovery groups. Like you said, the recovery coaches, um, case managers that help them hook, hook up to other things that they need in their lives. It could be quite a bit of stuff. I mean, we've heard from places places that do recovery yoga. I mean, there's so many cool things out there right now to engage um, individuals to help them feel welcomed and support it through the recovery. Because that's, I mean, that's what it comes down to is engaging the person so they continue with mm-hmm. what they're doing, right? So they're not. Yeah. So Chris, what are the, here's a, here's a pop quiz for you because I know you're listening very intently. What are the three medication assisted treatment options? Well, that would be Vivitrol. Methadone mm-hmm. and Suboxone. Well done. I'm, pr- I'm proud of you. I thought you were just looking out the window over there, not paying attention at all. So my question is, Marty K. I don't K, pay attention to you. I pay attention to my guests. Good. That's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> so, so Marty K. Of, of those three options, is there is there a better option? Is there a best option? How would this work? That's a great question. No, um, it really depends on the individual. I think probably what we've seen in other jails and correctional settings is Suboxone um, is typically used the most. It seems to work the best. Um, methadone is probably second, and then Vivitrol is is third. Um, so probably what you'll see in our area, um, our population is probably very similar to the other jails and correctional settings, as we'll probably typically be using Suboxone. Do we have any, I don't know, long-term, short-term goals here for any of these programs? I mean, I know we're going to roll out MAT more inside prisons, right? We should go back to the strategic plan because the strategic plan, the MDOC strategic plan, is to implement a fully integrated MAT program starting by June 2020. So we have three facilities identified, Carson City, um, Central Michigan, and um, RGC to start, um, followed very closely by the women's here on Valley. And then we'll broaden it out because we have to make sure individuals who are on MAT that we have various facilities that can meet their custody and then their medical and then their programming needs so we'll broaden it out over a period of several years so for for all the officers and the inspectors who are listening they i know they've already started asking you because we've had these conversations mm-hmm. but I, for years we've been combating the suboxone as a, as a contraband issue and it's the number one drug by uh, a, a mile compared to any other type of contraband that comes in that we track so now that we're going to be using we're going to be bringing it into to use how is that going to work, and what kind of security concerns are are we trying to allay? Because obviously that's that's a a big change for us. And it to, is to bring it's it in. A, it's a huge change, and I can tell you the that was the number one question we got when we did our site visits. You know, we've been trying to keep this out of our facilities for so long, and yet now we're going to give them medication to treat it. Um, it's much different than what's coming in. We really see, you know, prisoners taking Suboxone now, they're really trying to deal with their withdrawal symptoms. Um, So we feel like identifying those individuals and then treating them appropriately with the right dose, those officers will start to see a decrease in actually contraband coming in and a decrease in um, behavior, misconducts, that sort of behavior issues at the facility. When I've gone to conferences um, with other states, Pennsylvania and Rhode Island um, and California jails have all done this, and they said that's really what all of Custy has said. You're, you're going to do what? 
Um, but after they've done it and they've been doing it for six months to a year, they really see a decrease in, in the contraband and the misbehavior. Yeah, I mean, California saw um, a 58% reduction in rule violation reports of inmates that were MA, on MAT. So they really did, um, they saw that and they they really recognized its value and benefit. Now it's the same kind of suboxone, it doesn't come in different forms, right? So the kind that it's come it, in before... It does come in different forms. So you can... Um, Suboxone comes in um, a film. Um, it comes in a pill form that you could crush, and there's also an injection that you can use as well. Do we know which kind we're going to be? Um, it will depend on cost. Right now, we're looking at probably either the pill or the film. The injection itself is really very expensive. Yeah. And so I would assume, just like with Medlines, there's you know people that try to cheat medication right. think that they're going to be the same kind of protocols we'll have so that we're not you know, it, we're not bringing it in and then it gets out into the population and there'll be the same kind of controls and Yeah, more control. We'll probably run separate med lines for individuals who are on MAT. One of the things that we've talked about is actually having um, someone physically, if we go with a film, physically place the film in the prisoner's mouth. And then really once it's in the mouth, it foams, it turns colors, and it's really hard at that that other than sticking your finger in your mouth and really kind of scooping it out, it's really hard to mm-hmm. kind of divert it at that point. So once it's in the mouth, the, the diversion is pretty low. Um, we will have them kind of concentrated, the prisoners on mat in an area, um, and we will have someone really watching those specific prisoners to make sure that they, they aren't doing something they're not supposed to with the medication. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a lay person and maybe smarter than Greg, but not definitely not a smart person. <laughs> Barely, if any. Yeah. Barely. But, I mean, I, th- I thought, you know, what you said, Beth, earlier before we started taping was that, you know, I think I and, like, I'm guessing maybe a lot of people thought that drugs or contraband are coming in. As a contraband, you're bringing drugs in because you're wanting to get high. But in this case, it doesn't, it sounds like what you're saying that that's really not why it's such a big issue, which was, yeah. I think, news right. to me. Yeah, so, I, I want to underscore that because he's right. I, I was, I was going to bring that up, what you said. That you know, people are, are are seeking out this stuff because they're going through withdrawals. I mean, it's they, they need a fix, right? I mean, they're they're sick. They're not mm-hmm. they're withdrawing, and so I want to underscore that. So yeah, so talk more about that. Yeah, so Suboxone actually has a ceiling effect. So it has a medication in it, so people can't get high. So if if I took it and never taken any opiates before, I might feel a little bit high, but the next time I took it, I would feel significantly less high. But for people that have actually had an opiate use disorder, they're not really going to feel anything, and if they take more they're not going to feel anything because of that ceiling effect. So it really just works on that brain to help you heal the brain. And so when we say people in withdrawal, withdrawal isn't just physical withdrawal when you see just the shakes, withdrawal can be all those brain um, addiction things that you have going on. So it's a longer term than just, you know, that physical 72 hours, you know, maybe a week long. Most people probably have, have witnessed what, what that is. But it's a long-term thing that people have going on and that they really find a benefit for Suboxone. Yeah, I think that's really important to, when you talk about the fact that this would hopefully reduce contraband because if, if we're providing it to them and it is treating their issues, they're not seeking it out because they're, they're going through the withdrawal. I think that's kind of backwards and what, what maybe custody and other people would think is that why would you bring this in? Because they're they're bringing it in all the time. That's really interesting. I hope that it does. We do see those those numbers, and and that it sounds like before we were thinking that it was more of a security issue that because people are trying to bring these drugs in, but really it's a medical issue that the population was saying we're having these withdrawals and we we're trying to heal ourselves, and now we're going to be able to provide that to them, and I think that's going to be better for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It really is the standard of care right now is to provide these medications, just like a diabetic would get insulin. People who have an opiate use disorder need to be offered these three um, types of meds. Well, you got anything else, Chris? No, I think I've, uh, I've learned, you, uh, learned, I, I learned my time. maximum that I can retain uh, for, for one day. So this is Chris, this Chris is, is full. His, his brain is full. No, I, I think I think this is hugely important and hugely impactful. And I know the, the ultimate goal here is to is to help people right get better, reduce their risk so that when they leave, they're not coming back. And that always that doesn't always mean just lock people up, right? It's to try to find what the problem is and and help them get better. Uh, and a lot of the people that are in prison suffer from this disease, and it's debilitating and, and you know it's it's tough to it's tough to get over and if we can help people get over this and, and get them through their substance abuse issues then I think we have a better chance when they get out to be successful and to not commit new crimes and have new victims so you know I, I think what we're doing here is is hugely impactful you know just from a just on a human being level I think it's the right way to go so I thank you guys for what you do Beth I know your passion for this I've talked to you a million times since you've been here and I know you have a, a huge passion to to help people get past their substance abuse issues and you know Marty K the same for you and uh, I hope that we you know explain this well enough to people to understand what we're doing why we're doing it the importance of doing it some of the myths that are out there we kind of hopefully debunked some of them so thank you guys for coming on today is there anything else we missed is there anything else no your questions were in depth and very thoughtful yes my questions were yes uh, both Greg and Chris's questions were very thoughtful (laughs) yeah no very very nice but this is this is very very important so I appreciate you guys coming on and talking about it Um, and I appreciate what you guys do every single day to to make a difference here because it, it's it's making a difference it's it's going to make a difference and um, we can't thank you guys enough for doing that thank you thank you well you know Chris I think that's super um, helpful to have Marty Kay and Beth on to talk about Matt and what we're doing around you know this opioid epidemic the governor like I said we said at the top has, has a lofty goal and um, which is awesome which is great I think we can we can get on board with that and really help her get those success numbers up so I, ho- I hope you learned a little bit about Matt you sound like you did I did I think it was really good I think it's really helpful for our staff to hear that as well about the reasons why prisoners are seeking out uh, Suboxone so much and trying to bring it as contraband and if we're now providing it to help treat their uh, issues that this should in theory bring down the the uh, amount of contraband Suboxone so I think that's I think that's a good lesson, and I think hopefully uh, it works because it sounds like it's worked in other states when this has happened. Yep, and uh, yeah, this is this is exciting for us. I think this is, this is the right right direction moving, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see where this goes and and what we can do with it. So you know, because we did talk about you know it was Thanksgiving last week. It, it is the holiday season, right? And I, and I know tis the season. Tis the season. That's right. And and I know you know around the holiday seasons, it can be um, it's very enjoyable to spend time with your family and friends. You know, to to give gifts to um, those you care about. Um, but it's, it could also be a very stressful time, right? I mean, I know a lot of people, number one, you know, they're, they're working around the holidays, working on the holidays um, in corrections. We, you know, we are a 24-7 operation here. And uh, a lot of people around the holidays to tend to buy presents and, they, you know, the money can be tight. So it's a very, it can be a very stressful time. And what, you, what are we doing around this area? Are we, are, as a wellness wellness unit, um, do anything around this topic? Yeah, so, so the wellness unit has been really involved in coming up with some coping mechanism. I don't know if that's the right phrase. They'll probably teach us that that's probably not, maybe that's not the right word, but but ways in which to, to deal with the stressors that can come around holidays and, and ways to, to cope with it that doesn't involve, you know, alcohol or other things that we may have other you know, previously re- kind of relied on or thought that we needed to get through because that's definitely not uh, the right the right direction. Uh, and so I think they're going to be on for the next couple of weeks. They're going to provide us some tips. 
uh, and some ways to deal with the stresses that can come with the holidays. So hopefully, one, that it reduces stress, decreases our reliance on vices and other things like that to, to get through that we may have always done before. And also just ways to, I think, hopefully just enjoy uh, the holidays and, and make sure that we can enjoy them as much as we can. And, and for those that have to work or, or get mandated uh, during that time, the you know, ways that they can um, you know best uh, get through that time as well. So we, we really care about our employees, and that's the whole reason why we have the wellness unit. And that's why we wanted to have them on at such a critical time uh, this year so that they can help us all uh, find ways to, to get through them uh, together. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to having, um, you know, Lynn Gorski and her and her staff on to do just that. Cause I, you're right. It is very, very important to everyone here. So uh, what else you got? Anything else going on across the department, Chris? Is I that think, it? I think that's it. I well, think this was a, I think this was a super helpful informational podcast and hopefully everybody got a little bit out of it, learning about what we're doing around substance abuse disorders and those struggling with opioid addiction. And uh, hopefully everybody tunes in next week to a new episode of Field Days Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, Thanks for tuning in to Field Day's podcast.